Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. All right, John chapter 8, John, the Gospel of John chapter 8. Get your pen. I even, uh, those of you on Facebook Live, I, I put a, posted you a message before I came out of here to get your pen, your pad, your heart, and your Bible. You're going to need it. And take that pen in your hand right now. As I want to begin today with a civics class. You're like, whoa or we'll call it, how about this, Civics Made Easy. Or how about it like this, Civics for Dummies. Some of y'all lying, you in church. I'm going to try it again, Civics for Dummies. Okay, let's start right here. Are you with me? There are four major founding documents. The Declaration of Independence, some of you know this. The Declaration of Independence the Constitution of the United States, the Bill of Rights, and the federal or anti-federal papers. Perhaps you hadn't heard of those. Let's look at those one by one real quick. The Declaration of Independence was written, anybody know how many years ago? 244 years ago, 19, pardon me, 1776. And in the Declaration, you'll recognize these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by the Creator, by their Creator, with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. By the way, I should say right here that nowhere in the Declaration of Independence does it guarantee you happiness. The Bible says, oh, Bible, the, 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 <laughs> <man>. <laughs> I'll find it somewhere. It's in the Greek. Y'all just don't read it enough to know. The declaration says you have the right to pursue happiness. And we all have that. Somebody say amen. It was July the 4th, 1776. We celebrate it. The signing of the Declaration. Actually, saints, in July 2nd, it was July 2nd, the Continental Congress voted to approve independence from Britain. After 86 changes in the draft, July the 4th, Congress approved the final text. And then we come to the Constitution. James Madison wrote the Constitution in 1787, and the Constitution was ratified in 1788. The First Amendment gives us the right to religion, free speech, press assembly, and petition. 
The Second Amendment, a lot of y'all love that one. The right to bear and keep arms. The Fourth Amendment gives the right to use reasonable force, including deadly force, to protect, some, protect your family and to protect your home against intruders. The Fifth Amendment gives the right to civil and legal proceedings. The 13th Amendment abolished slavery. There are a total of, anybody know how many amendments? 27 amendments in the Constitution, which then brings us to the Bill of Rights, written and ratified December 1791. The first, amend, the first 10 amendments to the Constitution make up the Bill of Rights. Again, guarantees civil rights and liberties to individuals. It's the uh, 22nd Amendment. Uh, why does a president serve only two uh, terms? Well, the 22nd Amendment says that no president shall be elected to office of the presidency more than twice, one term being four, two terms being eight. So no more than eight years. Uh, maybe you haven't, maybe you have heard of the Federalist or the Anti-Federalist Papers. They were written by Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, and John Jay. Federalists believed in centralized national government. Federalists felt the Constitution was open for interpretation. Federalists made the case to ratify the U.S. Constitution in 1787. Anti-Federalists argued against the expansion of national power. These are the four founding documents. Now, let me tell you that there were a total of 56 signers or 56 founders of the Declaration of Independence. And these founders, we should probably say, were brilliant, but they were no saints. Amen. They were not gods. They were human. They were fallible. Honestly, in all transparency, many of them owned slaves. Many of, uh, uh, many of them owned slaves. They denied women the right to vote. They committed atrocities against Native Americans and made anti-Semitic statements. But many of them, listen, were godly. And many of them loved and served the Lord. John Witherspoon, for example, was an ordained minister. Charles Thompson served as Secretary of Commerce. He was a biblical scholar, and as a matter of fact, he helped edit the first American translation of the Greek Septuagint into English. Benjamin Rush is considered the father of American medicine. He is also the father of the Sunday School Movement. Benjamin Rush said that the Constitution was as much the work of divine providence as any of the miracles recorded in the Old and New Testament were the effects of divine power. Founding fathers didn't just craft the Constitution. Many of them wrote sermons, preached sermons, wrote hymns. Many of the founding fathers understood that political freedom should be built upon the foundation of spiritual freedom. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. Many of them understood that political freedom should be built upon the foundation of spiritual freedom. It was John Quincy Adams who said the highest glory of the American Revolution was this, that it connected in one indissoluble bond the principles of civil government with the principles 
of Christianity. Thomas Jefferson said, the reason that Christianity is the best friend of government is because Christianity is the only religion that deals with the heart. Benjamin, y'all could all say a better amen than that. Hmm? Benjamin Franklin said in 1774, he who shall introduce into public affairs the principles of Christianity will change the face of the world. So our country is based on Judeo-Christian principles. The founding, the founding documents signed by the Founding Fathers offer every legal citizen of the United States freedom. Political freedom is a wonderful thing. Spiritual freedom is even better. And that's what Jesus offers. Because you can experience spiritual freedom no matter where you are. I know people, I know men, Talk to them. Our, our church, our radio station, our, our, our radio broadcast, broadcast in New York. Many of you watching know that. And on Rikers Island. And I get letters from prisoners who are actually, quite honestly, in my humble opinion, more free than folk who are not in prison. Because spiritual freedom can be experienced anywhere. To whom the Son sets free is free indeed. True spiritual freedom can never be ratified. True spiritual freedom can never be taken away. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about true freedom. We're going to go to John chapter 8. And I'm going to give you two points. I didn't even make a slide. I didn't have a slide made because it's real simple. Let's talk two points. Two points. Got your pen? Got your pen? Two points concerning true freedom. Number one, true freedom comes from knowing Jesus. Mm -hmm. True freedom comes from knowing Jesus. And then number two, secondly, easily, true freedom comes from knowing the truth. True freedom comes from knowing Jesus. And true freedom comes from knowing the truth. We'll talk about those two points today. Really easy. And uh, I think God's got a word. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm excited to hear the word. Somebody say me too. Me too. Some of y'all didn't say it. <laughs> Somebody say I'm excited to hear the word. <laughs> I'll say me too. <laughs> All right. John chapter eight. And we're going to pick up in verse 31. We'll read right down to verse 36. But we're going to focus on verse 31 and 32. And we'll focus on verse 36. John chapter 8 says we're picking up in verse 31. If you're looking at verse 31, say amen. amen. Then Jesus said to those who, underline it, believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And come on, read verse 32 with me. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, they answered, they, the Pharisees, they, the religious folk, answered and said, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And Jesus answered and said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of what, saints? And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a slave, a son abides forever. 
Therefore, verse 36, come on, read it with me. If the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Saying, stop right there. Give me your attention. Jesus is about six months away from Calvary's cross, the crucifixion. And he's been trying to convince, I know you know your Bibles. He's been trying to convince the religious folks, the scribes, the Pharisees, trying to convince them of his deity, trying to convince them of his identity. You know, people say it all the time that Jesus never claimed to be God. And nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus always claimed to be God. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he is claiming that is a statement of deity. When he said, I'm the resurrection and the life, that's a statement of deity. When he said, I am the door, that is a statement of deity. Because I am is a statement in the Old Testament to the Old Testament Jew, Orthodox Jew. I am is a term, a phrase, words used for God and God alone. So when Jesus said, I am the way, I am the door, I am the resurrection and life, they were like their hair was on fire. (laughs) And this is the very reason why they wanted to kill him. Because he made himself equal with God. So Jesus over and over, here we come to chapter 8, and as you read through 1 through 7, even earlier in 8, Jesus has been trying to convince them of his deity. The Jews thought they were free because they were connected to Abraham. Well, look at verse 33 in your Bibles. They said, we are descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves. Why are you talking and telling us that you're going to make us free? And Jesus, saints, is making the point. Even though you don't realize it, you're a slave to sin. Jesus said, look at verse 35. A slave does not remain in the house forever. A son abides forever. Jesus is saying slaves don't enjoy the full privileges of a son. Slaves can be kicked out of the house at any time, especially if that slave is unfaithful. Jesus says, You're enjoying the privileges of being in God's household, but you could lose that status if you continue in your sinful ways. Well, let's come to point number one. True freedom comes from knowing and abiding in Jesus. Now, saints, listen, from Genesis to Revelation and all throughout history, people have sought freedom. People have sought freedom. People have looked for freedom. Uh, The first three chapters In creation, man gave up his freedom. Adam and Eve gave up their freedom and they disobeyed God. And from that point, we lost the perfect freedom that God wanted us to have. The effects of giving up that freedom is still felt today. Throughout the Old Testament, God's people lost their physical freedom. Why? They lost their physical freedom for many reasons, one of which was because they worshipped false gods. Because they sacrificed the Molech. Molech was the god of child sacrifice. Molech was the god of abortion. And the people lost their freedom because they sacrificed. It was a horrible, evil, ugly thing. Molech stood 12, 13 feet high, made of stone. And his hands out like this, and they would heat up his hands till they were fire red hot. And they would take babies 
and put the babies, sacrifice the babies on his hands. They would abort babies and put them in. This is horrible things. They would abort babies and put them, nothing you can't find out, abort babies and put them in jars and then stack the jars in the walls of their homes and then plaster over them to bring them blessings from some other false god. They worshiping a false god to please another false god. And David said, these false gods, they have eyes but they can't see Ears they have, but they cannot hear. Hands they have, but they can't reach out and touch. And they that make them are like unto them. That's a heavy verse. So they lost their freedom because they worshiped false gods and sacrificed babies. They lost their freedom because they worshiped other gods, as we mentioned, Now watch this. When God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, and they left Egypt, you know the story. And they're leaving or freeing of Egypt from Egypt was a foreshadowing of Jesus who came to set the captives free. Spiritually, freedom. So verse 31, Jesus said, look at verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews who, watch it, believed. Now listen to me close. You can believe in Jesus and not believe in Jesus. You can believe in Jesus and not believe in Jesus. What you talking about, Pastor? It is possible to say the right things and believe the right things and not be saved. How many of you know that? Just believing is no guarantee that you're going to go to heaven. Some people think I believe is a trip ticket to heaven. You know, we hear it all the time, don't we? I believe in God, but... Now, you already know. When you say, I believe in God, but... When you hear the word, but... Look, when you hear the word, but, in any statement, it nullifies what you previously said. So if you say, look, I've been hooked on findings for a long time, I'm telling you. When you say something, but then you go, but... However, although you're nullifying what husbands listen, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You say, honey, your hair looks great, but when you say but, she turns around, looks at you and turns into another person. But what? Honey, you look great in that dress, but your hips. What about my hips? What? I don't know why I did that. (laughs) Here's a point. Here's a point. Here's a point. It doesn't matter what you say after but. You see, people say, I believe in God, but that negates everything you just said. Adding but doesn't result in freedom. It results in faith that is dead. Do you know the devil has faith? The devil believes. The devil is smarter than you. Because the devil's belief is orthodox. The devil's belief in doctrine. Some people say, people have told me, I, well, I'm not a big fan of doctrine. I mean, doctrine, smoctrine. I mean, doctrine, who cares? Doctrine. Doctrine is important. 
That's the foundation and the stepping stones and of all that we believe and all that we and how we mobile as believers is based on doctrine. Demons have doctrine. They believe in doctrine. Demons are not agnostic. They are not atheists. Demons are believers in Jesus. Jesus saints. Here it is. He knew the quality of their faith was not saving faith. They had believed, but they didn't commit themselves. Your belief needs to translate into abiding. Jesus says, verse 32, look at it. Jesus said to those who believe, if you abide or continue in my word, then you are my what, saints? Huh? Jesus says real spiritual freedom comes from abiding and continuing in Jesus. We're not talking about a condition of salvation. Don't get this twisted. We're not talking about getting saved. We're talking about the evidence that you truly are saved. When you abide, it's evidence that your faith in Jesus is genuine. To continue or abide in his word implies that you already started in his word. To continue in his word means to hear it and obey it and stay with it. Did you pick that up? To continue abide means to hear it, obey it, and stay with it. And many, many people never receive the abundance of blessings because they lack staying power. They fail to continue. They fail to abide. The true Christian remains in Jesus. Somebody say amen. And if a person does not abide or remain, it is evidence that they really were never with him. So we have this discussion of whether someone can lose their salvation or not. I think that's the wrong discussion. The better discussion is, did you ever have salvation? Because if you ever had it, according to the scriptures, you won't lose it. You'll abide. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. First John 2, 24 through 25. Therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. First John 2.19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were with us. Clearly, what I just said, George Whitfield conducted an outdoor evangelistic campaign, actually campaigns in the 1700s throughout the American colonies, a period of revival called the Great Awakenings in America. And thousands, listen, responded to the gospel message when asked how many were converted after one of his sermons, George Whitfield replied, we'll know in five years. In other words, the point is, only time will tell of which decisions were superficial and which decisions were gen genuine. Only time will tell who abides and who doesn't. That's why it is kind of, I, I, I think it's, a, I think it's a, a dangerous thing. 
I, I don't know how true it is. I'm, I'm looking for the right words. I, I, I think that I think it, it could potentially be a falsehood when we have an event and we say, oh, this many people got saved. Oh, well, 4,000 people came down to receive their receive Christ at the crusade. Listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not a hater. I, I'm glad. I'm glad people got out of their seats and came down. I don't know who got saved, and neither does the person doing the altar call. Who knows? It would be nice to know. Don't get me wrong. I want to know. Inquiry minds want to know. I want to know. I want to know. I would love it if people got saved and it was genuine faith, and you turned a different color. Wouldn't that be fantastic? That would make life so easy. It really would. Like, if you, you get saved, you turn a different color. So you get saved, and what's a good color for, like, saved? Blue. Like, blue for the kingdom. Oh, On three, everybody. It was supposed to be on three. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.